0: Hi, my name is John Casher, and welcome to Cash Talk, where there'll be no boundaries and a lot of straight talk. All things money, business, and just everyday stuff. Hi, this is John Casher, and welcome to Cash Talk. In this episode, I will be sharing a recent interview with Gianni from Financially Fit. I was invited by Gianni to share my journey, the value of financial advice, and some valuable tips for all. Enjoy. <music>
1: All right, so hi, everybody. Look, I'm lucky enough to here have John Catcher with me. Hi, John, thanks for joining me.
0: Thanks, mate. Thanks for having me today.
1: Awesome. Let's kick on straight with the questions, mate, if it's okay. Uh, first one I've got for you is, I was hoping you could tell me a little bit about your career leading up to becoming a financial advisor.
0: Well, very interesting one it feels like it was forever ago um so i started as a financial advisor at the age of 14 i went to go do work experience at my cousin's financial advisory practice and um work experience turned into working after school at high school then worked at a, on school holidays then before you know it i probably had more of a keen interest in financial advice than i did in schooling and so um you know from 14 through to 18, 19, it was kind of, you know, school, uni, working at this financial advisory practice and I absolutely loved it. And I worked my way to the point of kind of like office manager slash kind of head paraplanner. And then it was the natural progression to get into financial advisor. You know, my strong trait was working with people and that was kind of the perfect position for me to get into. So I found myself as like a 20 year old guy um, now as a financial advisor. And 20-year-old guy, uh, full of uh, beans, full of confidence. Let's go start a financial advisory practice. And I remember walking into my accounting, my accountant at the time and uh, saying, I wanted to start a financial advisory business. And he kind of laughed at me. He's like, no one's going to take you seriously. And, um, you know, that just gave me, for people who know me, that probably gave me the fuel that I actually needed that meeting. And as you can tell, I remember it like it was yesterday um, for me to hopefully achieve great things and, you know, since then, it, you know, I've been a financial advisor since 2009 and, you know, really just became obsessed with giving clients value. And my, my kind of, my business was designed and built on the back of, if I just keep on giving them value, keep on giving them value, that they'll tell the next person. And then that groundswell will tell the next person. And I, I treated every single client like they were my advocate. And so when I'd see them, it was like impress them, do great value, like value, 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 and then tell the next person. And You know, we're, what what? is it, you know, nearly 13 years nearly. Um, you know, we're in October now, nearly 13 years since I started the practice. And, you know, we're giving advice to hundreds of Australians. Um, you know, we've got, what, 18 staff now. Um, so, you know, it's looking back, those, those early days, I, I'm really glad that, and I did what I did and and, and became obsessed with giving clients value. So that's a bit of my story, man.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. It's a great story, eh? You started from an early age especially. And one of the things I wanted to touch on as well is is you you mentioned a little bit about power planning and practice management as well. I too was a power planner and a lot of that's – what I feel a lot of good financial advisors have in common is they've spent time in paraplanning, particularly because as a planner, you're exposed to a lot more advice and a lot more strategies, I feel, as well. How important do you feel that that time as a planner was in, in you becoming a financial advisor?
0: Oh, mate! Oh, crucial, you know. I think that you know me being able to then know the metrics and the parameters and the and the technical side behind the strategies is crucial for you to become yeah. an elite financial advisor. And all of my staff walk through a process. Like, there's obviously the legal process and the tickets to the game that everyone needs. But you know, all of my guys, like um, the next guy who's going to become an advisor in our practice, he's done three years of power planning. Um, and mm-hmm. the reason for that is the it, they ultimately they end up becoming the brains trust because they're downloading all the information from the advisors into this kind of brain trust and then scenario testing them and, and having alternative strategies and actually stress testing the recommendation that actually ends up getting delivered to the client. So, you know, that relationship between advisor and power planner is crucial. And I think for you to be a great financial advisor, I think there is, there needs to be some kind of power planning background.
1: Yes. Yeah, exactly. No, that's great. Good to hear anyway. Um, So, look, you mentioned as well in your sort of career leading up to becoming a financial planner that you you were passionate about adding value to the end member as well. And I wanted to sort of ask, was there anything else about financial advice that appealed to you apart from adding value to the end client?
0: Yeah, like, listen, um, we're in a very, very unique spot. And as a financial advisor, people's financial futures are in my hands. And I do not take that lightly. Let me talk that straight. Um, There is not many jobs that I know of, okay, where you have people's lives in your hands. One of them is a doctor. But when I thought about that, I'm like, hmm, bit a lot of schooling ahead of me there. Yeah. And I don't know if I've got the TER score to be able to become a doctor. So what's next? And, I've always been, kick the ball to me after the siren and, and I'll kick it, like just yeah. give it to me. And so you got to work to your strengths when you finding your career. And I was just very fortunate I found it when I was 14. And so I'm in a place where I'm looking and I'm like, these guys are changing the lives of these people, like actually mm-hmm. changing it. And if I can wake up every single day Changing that person's life, changing that person's life. I come from a family of builders, yeah, where my dad used to drive and be like, I built that house, I built that (laughs) house. But how can I, like, times 10 that? Like, how can I outdo that? How do I outdo that is by helping people's lives change forever. And that happens, call it straight, in health (laughs) and in wealth. (laughs) Yeah. So I just chose wealth. And I said, okay, we'll talk about value, all of this. What can I do to change people's lives forever? So that John's legacy later on down the track is people look at me and say, you know what? John improved our family's life forever. He put us on the road to financial success. We achieve financial freedom and... You know it was an amazing experience to be with me. And and for me, it's the Picasso moment where I'm looking at it and saying, Well, wow, look at that. You know, look at that, what I've created, and I was a part of that. That it is it is just so fulfilling. Yeah. So yeah, that's the reason why I entered into that was that ability to have that impact.
1: Yeah, that's awesome to hear. And and I couldn't agree with you more. There were a few points that I really aligned with you on as well. Like I I know everybody sort of has their team around them in terms of their health professionals like you said you've got uh, the doctor for your illnesses a physio a Cairo, you know there you go to people that's you surround yourself with your team but you should con- concentrate on your financial health just as much as you your actual health your physical health um so your accountant your solicitor your financial advisor and a lot of the times i feel as well that a financial advisor not only do they provide advice, but they educate you. So one of the things I found growing up is when I started to learn about all these um, financial strategies to, to help me meet my goals, I sort of think, "Oh, well, why didn't they teach these sort of things at school? Because how, how do they sort of prepare me for real life? And that's what I think that I align with you on, that we need to teach more people these financial principles.
0: Well, well ultimately, where's John, John Casher in 20, 30, 40 years' time? Is yeah. I would have hoped that I've improved the financial literacy of as many Australians as I can. Um yeah. money management is one of the things that my practice does.
1: Money mm-hmm. management. Yeah.
0: You know, superannuation, investment, blah, 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 blah. But the biggest thing we do is education and accountability. Yeah. These are the things that are very important. Why does Roger Federer have a coach? He's the best tennis player of all time. Yeah. Yeah. That's to keep him accountable, push him to the next level. Mm
1: -hmm. Look
0: around corners that he can't see. Hey, Roger, you didn't, you know, serve the way you needed to. Now, that's one thing. But also, if you look at him, he aligns himself with people that he could probably get educated about. And so I am an addicted learner. I'll say it, I'm addicted. You know, I speak to you about books and whatnot. Like every single night, I'm learning. Every day I'm learning. And that is my life mission, that every day I will learn something. And so what I'm doing is I'm streamlining this education and these years and years and years of experience into potentially sometimes a one-hour session with a client that absolutely Mm -hmm. blows their mind and changes their millions of dollars for the life of life. Wealth creation and the journey to financial freedom is 90% above the shoulders. Mm -hmm. If I can get you thinking about money the right way and educate you along the way, there is a very, very likely, highly likely chance that you will achieve financial freedom. And for the people viewing, that is the point where you're no longer trading time for money, where you're in a situation where your passive income is beyond your lifestyle requirements, which is the goal for most people. Yeah. And that's what we inevitably try to do. Money management, accountability, wealth and education. Yeah?
1: And there's an element of education as well that you need to be sort of literate enough to understand what's happening with your money and competent enough to actually deal with your money as well. So some really good uh, points that you've touched on there.
0: As you explained before, mate, school money man, money management and wealth creation isn't taught at school.
1: It's, yeah, also, very,
0: it's also very poorly taught at home. And yeah. the thing is, is because it's money values, you don't necessarily recognize them. So working mm-hmm. on your money mindset is the elevator to get you to where you need to get to.
1: Yeah, and, and again, you, you t- touched upon, it's not taught at school, it's really taught in the household as well, because it, often it was seen as a taboo subject, it's not something that's talked about. Um, so I think, if anything, not, we need to start having these open conversations with professionals to get an understanding of how, how we can educate ourselves or how we can become educated on financial literacy and financial competency. Bingo. Yeah. Awesome. So look, you, you've probably seen a lot of clients over the years. What's uh, one sort of common goal that you have with your client or that your clients have rather that you sort of help them achieve?
0: So everyone wants a holiday every year. Everyone wants a car. Everyone wants yeah. to live a beautiful life. And listen, they're the, I would now not call them planned expenditure. Okay. That's mm-hmm. what people want. But when you boil it down to the, the bedrock yeah, of what they're actually trying to achieve. It's financial freedom. Mm -hmm. It's what I mentioned before about getting to a point in time where they're choosing to go to work or not. And when that choice happens, yeah, happens because they've got passive income beyond their lifestyle requirements. Now, people think that that's necessarily the only controllable of that is by investing. Okay. But there's other controllables and the controllables we work with is automation of cash flow, destroy debts, and automate investments. By having those three pillars controlled, we accelerate the process to financial freedom. Now, there are other pillars and other things that we work with, but if you boil it down, most people will say, all right, well, yeah, financial freedom, awesome, that's just investing. No, 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 there's other controllables that are in there, and we need mm-hmm. to control them. When we talk about getting to financial freedom. A lot of people say, all right, sweet, invest, you know, high risk possible, whatever. Just close your eyes and forget about it. Listen, even the best people in theory try to do that in practice, don't, okay? And the reason is that they haven't, they either haven't got the right money mindset, they haven't kind of trained themselves. So all of these other controllables that we're working with. But going back to your question in regards to the goal, the common goal for most when you go to the bedrock is John- I want to be in a position at one point in time or at X age. So I have the choice to work or not work. Everyone mm-hmm. wants to get into a position with that choice. Now I refer to choice. You won't hear me say retire. Yeah. yeah. Is because I don't even know when John's going to retire. Like without giving too much away, like I'm working because I want to, not because mm-hmm. I have to. And being in a position where you've got that choice You just work with just like, because you want to, it's so purposeful. And so the clients that we've got in financial freedom, they're working, not because they have to, the dollars are there, that's all sorted. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They're literally working because they love what they do. And yeah, exactly. that's the ultimate for most. And and people that get the financial freedom mainly say to me, or, or the traditional retirement word, they usually say to me, they're 50, 55, 60, whenever they are. And they go, I can't stop working i'd go yeah. mad yeah and you know and don't get me wrong there's a lot of people that work in jobs that they don't like and i get that that's kind of a different thing but the people that end up eating to, getting to financial freedom because mm-hmm. they've got the right money mindset and because we've worked on this in this framework for a while they're focusing and they're moving their career into where they want to go now uh, there is a happiness factor like this is the other thing um There was a recent study that I was reading actually that happiness and um, is linked to excitement actually not think and it's actually boredom that makes people unhappy. Okay. So when you're excited about your job and when you're actually excited about your financial future, yeah, happiness comes with it. Like one of the other pillars that we work with is the ability to elevate your income. Now, if you're in a job that you hate or you don't like, you're usually not going to see promotions in that because you just don't have the passion to push. You might stay there and become stagnant, but for you to really elevate your income, you need to be in something that you like work around the clock for. You live and breathe it. You like love it. Now, that obviously usually leads to self-employment. Yeah, let's be honest. But um, goal for most, financial freedom. And then all of the other happiness factors and all the money and all of that come with it. And those are usually like the sub goals. But the two ones that kind of interlink with one another is we want to have the choice to work or not work. Okay. And we want to be happy along the way.
1: Yeah, definitely not. I, I hear you. Yeah, at the end of the day, I, I think everybody wants that sort of freedom, like you said, they, they want to be able to do what they want, let alone, you know, their sort of planned expenditure. I want a car I want a holiday, this sort of stuff. At the end of the day, they want to sort of remove themselves from their role or not have to tie their income to what they do or what their employment is. They want to have their employment as one thing and their income as another and not tie the both of them together. So, no, I agree with you. And I hear it a lot. And I feel a lot of people have become stuck in roles because they've tied their occupation to what their income is. Oh, okay. If I want X amount of income, I need to have X amount of occupation, which is, it's a sort of, it's a misconception and it needs to be sort of retaught, if anything.
0: Most people don't know why they're going to work, mate. Okay. So most people think they're going to work to get paid and all good and that stuff. Yeah. But we need to know the purpose. Everything we do needs an objective and we need to reverse engineer it, including why you go to work tomorrow. And so my biggest role in my business is around mindset, education, accountability. Mm -hmm. Okay, And over time, like I've, I think I've mentioned today, you know, I've been in it for 18, 19 years and and everyone gets their kind of specialization, specialization in their craft. And, you know, for me to do a super review doesn't really tickle my fancy anymore, yeah? Like really for me is how can mm-hmm. I make the most amount of impact like I've spoken about? Mm-hmm. And it's really in those money decisions and those decisions about life mm-hmm. um, and how we can impact those. And we're finding that the greatest amount of impact and the most amount of success is when I'm, working on that, yeah? And that yeah. elevation just supercharges their ability to get the financial freedom.
1: Awesome, uh, that's good to hear. Uh, we've talked a lot about financial education and, and teaching your clients, but I wanted to sort of understand if you could teach every Australian sort of one thing about their finances and how to manage their finances, what, what would it be?
0: Very, very big question that one, because the things <laughs> that would start, we'd probably have to have a framework. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, well, listen, I've got a four-and-a-half-year-old boy, okay? Mm-hmm. He's, he's, uh, I've got two young kids, and what do I start teaching him? So yeah. this is four-and-a-half. I started teaching him when he was three-and-a-half years old, and my wife's like, John, just let him learn about the ABCs, <laughs> please, yeah? <laughs> yeah? And I'm like, you'll learn that at school. Let, let, let me teach him. So actually what I told, started teaching him, which is maybe not the first thing, but one of the the, the, the pitfalls that I see people not understand properly it's actually assets and liabilities. So for people that have read the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, okay, one of the big things for him that he teaches, which is the same for me, is that people don't actually know what assets are and what liabilities are. So I'm sitting in front of my three-year-and-a-half-year-old boy, and I'm like, okay, well, how do I teach this boy that just, as he grows up, just to identify the difference between them, okay? And simply, an asset is something that puts money in your pocket. A liability is something that takes money out of your pocket. Now, I'm from European (laughs) background and I think you are mate as well too. (laughs) So we got taught, yeah, the house we live in is an asset. We go to do a home loan application, we go even on our fact finds or whatever, asset, home. The reality is actually in, in investment purposes and actually in wealth creation, the home sits in the liability basket. Yeah, because it actually is you've got rates, you've got costs, it's actually taking money out of your pocket. And so all of the things that I grew up and you grew up with when we watch TV, like a car or a boat or a these are actually all liabilities. These are actually yeah. all taking things, money out of my pocket. And so I think the first thing that I would teach or would want people to know is first and foremost, the difference between assets and liabilities. And there's many, many things that I would teach, but if there would have to be one, it would, on a daily basis, if they knew the difference between an asset and a liability and they became fascinated with buying assets and not liabilities, it it would be a very, very strong foundation for them to achieve great things in their life.
1: No, Awesome. Yeah, that's very important. I can't tell you how many conversations I've had with friends and family um, about some of the principles in that book, especially about what the difference between an asset and a liability is. Um, It's one of the reasons why I became a a rent investor, if you will, about four or five years ago. sold a principal residence, um, started renting so that I could use the capital for invest. And I actually get, I almost get physically upset. I wanna throw stuff at the TV every time I see those equity unlock ads about uh, people that are retiring, all of a sudden they've got no superannuation, no assets to back them. So they have to go and unlock equity. So they've spent all their life sort of paying off this home, um, uh, paying off their mortgage, paying the costs associated with a principal residence, only to then go into hock again, go into debt, again for that house that you've just spent the last 30 40 years paying off and it makes me ill sometimes um, now, yeah now so think of really,
0: now, think, ab- yeah, now think about think about the people and this is very common yeah um, you go buy a new car fifty thousand dollars the repayment <laughs> is six hundred seven hundred dollars a month yeah think about what that's ultimately doing that if you were buying assets and not liabilities. And so mm-hmm. that obsession with buying assets and not buying liabilities automatically focuses you on the good stuff and not the bad stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Everything that looks and feels good, it's like, it's like lollies and cakes.
1: <laughs> yeah. The liabilities
0: are lollies and cakes. They all look good. They taste good. Yeah. Assets don't necessarily look good. Like if you yeah. look at a typical asset, a stock or whatever, doesn't look sexy it doesn't like it's literally like it doesn't look good you buy buy boring yeah i say to people they go john why is this plan going to fail i said because it's boring as hell
1: yeah
0: and they go and you're not going to like boring so as long as you can handle boring and be boring it'll work i think that's actually a quote from robert
1: Robert kiyosaki around financial strategies A good financial strategy is boring as you just got to stick to it sort of thing
0: same as buffett all the great yeah. investors of all time will tell you that is boring as hell. You know that famous yeah. kind of interview with Jeff Bezos and and uh, Warren Buffett, where Bezos asked, you know, your investment philosophy is simple. Why doesn't everyone do it? You know, because mm. everyone wants to get rich quick and don't want to get rich slowly. Yeah. And it's the exact same concept. Slow and slow and boring is not what people want. They want yeah. they want the Lambo four wheel drive. Yeah. Um, and so. Yeah, it's, it's just that assets and liabilities going back to that. It's it's a concept that I taught my three and a half year old. I'll teach my next son as well. And we're advancing to leverage at the moment, mate. My <laughs> wife's smacking me. She's just like, <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah, we work on that. But um, these key concepts are very good. Listen, people sometimes say that the wealthy and the rich have a lot of secrets. Yeah, it's like this secret community. Actually, most wealthy and successful people, because I've become obsessed with it, um, they're not secrets. You just gotta take yeah. the time to actually learn from them. Most yeah. actually wealthy and successful people actually give a lot of their IP away. They're actually, if if you kind of think about your relationships with people, think about the person who's more successful than you. And they'll usually try and pick you up. It's the people that are maybe not as successful as you mm-hmm. that are trying to bring you down, yeah? And so, when yeah. you think about the most successful, and you look at the likes of Buffett, Munger, Ben Graham, yeah, these are not breadcrumbs. Yeah, these are books and 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 thesis and philosophies. And this is yeah. where
1: it all comes from. Uh, again, to relate it to health, uh, I don't know. It has a lot of financial strategies have a lot of similarities as health. You have to go out of your way to not know how to lose weight nowadays. You know what I mean? There's so many different ways to, to look but everybody's looking for the quick diet, the quick fix, the the lap band surgery, the liposuction, whatever it is. But at the end of the day, it, it's boring as you eat a good diet, you exercise daily, and that's it. You become fit and healthy. It's similar with your financial strategies. You, you sort of apply a financial strategy every day, week, month, however often you get paid. Um, and then that's it. You become financially competent, financially, literally, f- financially free. So uh, I think it's just another one of those things. The, everybody wants the fad, the shiny object, they get rich quick or they get healthy quick or something like that. So, yeah, 100%. 100%.
0: Hey, we, we all know how to get a six six pack, yeah? yeah, but not many not many people walk around with them,
1: yeah. No, yeah, exactly. Well, look, John, that's all the serious questions I've got for you. If it's okay with you, I've got a set of sort of fun five questions just to get to know you a little bit better. Are you happy to answer? Mate, oh, I don't take life too seriously, so hit me. <laughs> awesome, go. Okay. Um, so, look, first one is uh, we're both in lockdown. Uh, first thing that you're going to do once lockdown is over.
0: Oh, there's so many things to do. I'm in Melbourne. I'll be like yeah. locked down forever. Like I don't even actually know what outside looks like. I was joking around that I had the hazmat suit to go get the nail the other day. Yeah. Um, uh. Listen, if we're talking about lockdown, like back to normal. Yeah. I've, yeah. We'll call I, it
1: zero restrictions. International travel, anything, no restriction. Oh, Pre-COVID, we'll call it.
0: Pre-COVID, I I've been. I don't know. I've had this sudden urge, yeah, that I want to go to some Greek island, put the kids with the mrs uh, without the missus, me and the misses go and party all night in like Santorini and watch the like watch the sunset go down into the Caldera. Cool like, yeah, I, I, I need one of those Greek island party nights, yeah, where I wake up and just forget about the lockdown that I've had for the last two nights, and then yeah. probably wake up really seedy with my two boys, yeah, and yeah. then just jump on a donkey and. Go around the Greek island somewhere.
1: All right, it <laughs> sounds awesome, <laughs> European getaway. Yeah, no, I miss those days as well. I, um, yeah, I've done a couple of European trips myself. I miss those days. Yeah, that sounds great. <laughs> uh, I think we've touched on that one. Uh, this next question, anyway, favourite holiday destination.
0: Hey, listen, favourite holiday destination so far has been. It's very hard because they're all good. But I actually say that I had a real ball in Fiji and I know that's kind of whatever, yeah, yeah but um, I don't slow down much, yeah, as you could probably tell. <laughs> um, yeah. So it was actually, being in Europe, it was like obviously going and seeing everything, going to America, same kind of scenario. Um, but yeah, Fiji was just really peaceful. Yeah? And I think mm-hmm. um, as I've become kind of uh, more, involved in the business and family life and become a bit time poor that ability to just kind of turn off sit by the pool spend time with the family and just enjoy it i, I-, I loved it
1: yeah no i agree yeah a, a few years ago I-, I did a cruise around some of the islands they're not fiji specifically but um it was just because we we're on the cruise and we were on these islands or well, i felt so far removed from back home and all the all the you know chaos going on here. Um, it was it was great. No, I agree with you. It's good.
0: Um, Hard question is, though, because like the yeah. like the other one, mate. There's so many, so many.
1: Yeah, where do you start? Um, next one's a bit of might be a bit of a tricky one for me. I know it is. If you could only watch one movie for the rest of your life, which would it be?
0: Well, wow. yeah, it's a very tricky one.
1: I, I wouldn't be able to answer this question. It's very difficult. Yeah,
0: very I, difficult. I'd have to need, a, I'd need at least twelve. Yeah, yeah, because like I like a lot of movies. Yeah, and then yeah. but then having them on repeat, maybe I'll go to the movie that I've watched the most. Okay, maybe that. Okay, so I don't exactly know what movie would because I think all of them would absolutely destroy me. Yeah, yeah. Um, but when I was young, I was obsessed with Ace Ventura, Pet Detective. I watched it, like, I reckon, about 50 times, yeah? So I would say Ace Ventura Pet Detective on the basis that there's comedy, there's a bit of a storyline, yeah? And because if I watched history or I watched drama or even if I watched Marvel, which I absolutely love, yeah, and I watched Star Wars, yeah? Yeah. I think if you watched it enough, you'd probably... Yeah, I don't know. So I'm going to go with Ace Ventura Pet Detective.
1: Yeah, awesome. Um, (laughs) Um, I... One of my favorites. I don't know if this is, this would answer this question, but one of my favorites, uh, Godfather Part Two. I watched Godfather Part Two so many times that it actually got stuck in my DVD player, and I was forced to watch it over and over again.
0: <laughs> it's like anything. I, I think um, I became obsessed with trying to actually mimic Jim Carrey in the in the, in the okay. so I I I could watch the movie and do the sign sci- like the the, the scenes yeah. as he was doing them, and. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, he's just, uh, Jim Carrey's a funny guy. I just found him hilarious. Yeah, no, that's
1: awesome. Um, if you were stranded on a deserted island, what one luxury item would you bring with you? Ooh. My so phone. normally, like, the cast a Survivor, they get to bring one thing with them, a luxury item, something like that. What What is phone. your one thing that you have to have? Fine. If have okay. to, I'd
0: have to go phone. I get digital. Yeah, okay. like if, 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 listen, let's 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 go if it's non-technology based because yeah. a phone these days can connect you to the world. Yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah. One thing that I could bring with me a pillow.
1: A pillow, yeah. That's one thing that you always see them struggling with a good night's sleep on that, like Survivor. They're always building their own shelters, sleeping on leaves or sand. That's probably the the smartest thing to bring with you. A pillow, yeah.
0: A pillow. I think I think yeah. if I was stranded on an island with coconuts and water and trees and all of that, yeah. I've got enough kind of camping, hiking experience that I'd say so if I had to go to luxury, I'd go pillow. Pillow or a sleeping bag. But I reckon if it's we're talking deserted island with like I reckon, yeah. I reckon I could make do pillow for me. Yeah,
1: awesome. That sounds good. Um, last question I've got for you is: if you weren't a financial advisor, I know you're very passionate about being a financial advisor, but if you weren't, what career would you have? What what role would you have?
0: So I had one career path before I was a financial advisor. Yeah, and I actually wanted to be a cartoonist. Okay, so yeah. when I was <laughs> 10, because I started when I was 14. Um, I, I wanted to be a cartoonist. Um, I love yeah. cartoons. I love the concept of being able to draw something, make something come to life. Um, was fascinated with the whole kind of Disney story, as in, like, not necessarily the Disney kind of characters and stuff like that. It was more about how they made it come to life. I was fascinated with, like, this whole era. And I didn't know, obviously, back then, it was going to go, like, next level. And I remember speaking to my mum, and I'm like, Mum, I want to be a cartoonist. And she's like, cartoonist you're not going to make any money out of that like go get yeah. yourself a proper job yeah um mm-hmm. and for people we're talking on oh, Maltese mate by the time you're at 10 12 years old you you're working on your career at that age yeah um yeah. and she said to me nah don't worry about it like in I still to this day love drawing like I still like um you know doing stuff like that and is it would I ever do it after this probably not probably uh yeah probably yeah too far down it but you know I, I wouldn't say to my son you know not to do it there's a lot of money being made in cartoon or what they call animation these days but yeah a lot yeah. of money in animation and stuff like that but yeah that's what i wanted to do before financial advice I actually wanted to be a cartoonist yeah that
1: sounds good i wouldn't have picked it yeah it sounds very creative oh awesome yeah good to hear well
0: look john that's
1: also, one of the
0: question. sorry, sorry. About you. no you're right mate. i was gonna say yeah. um it's very interesting for a financial advisor to say that to be a cartoonist um yeah. but actually it's interesting that i like the creative side of things and i think that when you relate it to actually my job yeah you actually think about the creative strategies yeah that's where that kind of thought process has gone down to yeah so anyway
1: no, yeah, I, I feel that sometimes, like I spend all day in an office as well, so I sort of yeah. think oh, I like to do get out and do something constructive as well. So no, I I, I agree with you. I hear you. Yeah, I hear where you're coming from. Thanks. Mate, that's that's all the questions I had for you. Um, it's been an honest pleasure chatting with you. A, eh? it's been great. I think we've been bouncing off each other. If anything, if anybody wants to reach out to you and have a chat or get in touch with you, how best can they do that?
0: Yeah, I think probably the best way is to just jump on Instagram or jump on Facebook. Um, I'm pretty sure if you probably even Googled me, you, you, you'd probably be able to find me. Uh, hopefully the marketing team is doing enough. Um, but uh, the, probably the easiest way is if you're on Instagram, jump onto at the John Kasher. Um, so T-H-E, John Kasher. Um, and from there, I've got a link tree. If people want to kind of organize a chat, they can organize it through there. Um, or if they just want to kind of follow me and follow my journey, You know, that's a great way to follow my journey through Instagram.
1: Yeah, awesome. Oh, thanks again, John. Thanks for the chat anyway, and all the best. Hope to speak to you soon. Thanks, mate. Appreciate it. Cheers.